Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, October 4, 2023. Scott Ritter joins us now. Scott, my dear friend, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, coming back to the show. Uh, with the disastrous trip uh, that he had uh, to the UN, with the embarrassing, internationally crushing episode uh, in the Canadian Parliament, uh, with the efforts to talk to American uh, billionaires about rebuilding uh, Ukraine, which also didn't seem to resonate well. How close is President Zelensky to the end of his presidency? I think he's, uh, he's actually closer than um, I think many people would suspect. Look, he, we, we need to understand what his role is. He's not a natural leader. He is not... Um, you know, the modern day Winston Churchill. He's an actor playing that role, reading from a script written by American and British um, intelligence services, diplomats, uh, uh, you, you know, who are putting on a show for the their respective populations and uh, the world at large. Um, he only is useful in this role so long as the, um, as the narrative is compelling uh, and people believe it. Um, we're at the point right now where the narrative is collapsing. Uh, people no longer believe in uh, in the uh, in um, the, the you know Zelensky as a as a viable leader. And I think now that is uh, basically you know he had a successful first season. We're in the process of uh, seeing a failed second season. And what happens normally when a second season fails? There's going to be a change in leading characters. They're going to bring in new characters, a new script, new ideas. And that's what's going to happen with Zelensky. I think he's on his way out. Will uh, will the war survive his presidency? In other words, if he's gone, uh, either he leaves and goes to uh, Miami or he's arrested or he's assassinated, whatever, uh, will the war continue or will this have a material uh, effect on the war? I do believe the war will, will outlast Zelensky. Um, the question on, on you know the fate of the war depends on who replaces Zelensky. Um, you know, if if Zelensky collapses from within, um, namely, say, a military uh, coup or something of this nature, the coup is probably going to be motivated by one of two things, um, a desire to either more effectively prosecute the war, in which case they'll attempt to extend the war, or a recognition that this is a lost cause and uh, therefore bring an end to this conflict as soon as possible. 
if uh, Zelensky is brought down from without, it's purely to extend the war. It's to basically push Zelensky aside and replace him with somebody who will do a better job of selling uh, the Western script. So uh, two days ago, the Telegraph of London quoted a senior British military source saying that the United Kingdom has run out of military equipment to give to Ukraine. I don't know if that's true or not. You, you may know. But the fact that this was leaked publicly causes me to ask you, is there a general consensus, albeit below the radar screen, that Ukraine has lost and it's over? I believe there is. I mean, you know, politically speaking, um, they can't say that right now. They, they, you know, they're desperate to find some sort of off ramp. Um, and a lot of the Western approach towards Russia is based on propaganda. That is an effort to carry out a psychological operation against the Russian people in the hopes that they will believe uh, the negative press about their leader, about the state of affairs, and rise up against Putin, and that Putin will collapse from within. So. You know, if that's your that's your plan and that's your strategy, then misinformation is your tool. And so why not misinform everybody while you're at it? But, the, you know, if if I think rational people realize that that isn't going to happen and that this is going to be settled on the battlefield and that Russia is winning this battle decisively and there's nothing going to happen that's going to turn that around. And so what you're seeing now is people starting to be more honest with the public with themselves to prepare them for the inevitability of a Russian victory. Uh, here's someone, I won't even tell you who it is until we see her on the screen, who's the princess of misinformation, arguing that President Putin has provoked people like you and me and the hundreds of thousands uh, that watch us into our opposition to American uh, aid to Ukraine. I wonder if she expects Joe Biden not to run for re-election and that the Democrats might again, you must know who this is by now, turn to her. Cut number one, Gary. I think Putin is not only thrilled by the uh, divide over whether we continue and at what levels to fund Ukraine. I think he is fomenting it as well. Putin and his team that does the kind of interventions, covert and overt, aiming to undermine democracy and to suborn political leaders, is a big part of how he sees his role. All right, put aside the undermining of democracy that was done by the CIA and the State Department when she was Secretary of State. But this is really some of the weirdest stuff I've ever heard. You and I and the thousands watching us are fomented by President Putin's misinformation, not by his integrity, not by his patience, not by his understanding of military uh, uh, procedures, not by the West having double-crossed him on NATO will never move one inch eastward, but by his chicanery against us. I think uh, the first thing is she disrespects you, me, and all American people. Uh, she disrespects our ability to discern facts independently. Um, and she disrespects you know, our um, ability to build a foundation of information based upon our own you know, intellectual uh, capacity. Um, she expects that we are going to, you know, we should be sheep who willingly follow the dictate uh, laid out by her and her fellow establishment uh, figures. Um, unlike Hillary Clinton, 
uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, deals with issues in a collegial fashion. Uh, he calls people in, he listens to them, he considers what they say, and he then formulates a, uh, a position that is then put out there for a review before a final decision is made. Why do I bring that up? Because the, if we're falling victim to anything, it's not Vladimir Putin. We're falling victim to the rational approach taken by Russia as a nation state towards international problem solving. And I would believe most rational people would say that's probably the best way to go about um, you know, solving an issue as opposed to literally the dictatorial uh, manner in which American leaders approach this. My way or the highway. Listen to my information. Anything that's different than me is misinformation, is disinformation. And of course, because they don't respect you and I, it must come from a source other than the American people. It must be Putin's fault. If you hear somebody blame Putin, the first thing you know is they know nothing about Russia. Oh, well, here she is uh, again. And by the way, this is this is the PBS NewsHour taped earlier today. Wednesday, uh, October 4th. Here she is again, uh, cut to Gary, saying Ukraine's not corrupt, Putin is. When I see people parroting Russian talking points that first showed up on Russia Today or first showed up in a speech from a Russian official, you know, that's a big point scored for Putin. Uh, when I see Americans in positions of responsibility uh, talking about how, you know, we, we shouldn't support the people of Ukraine. Uh, you know, they're corrupt. And talk about corruption. You know, there is there is the master of corruption uh, living in the Kremlin. One of our, I mean, our, the viewers are going crazy over this with one of them saying, she's nuts. <laughs> master of corruption. We just heard from the mistress of corruption. Um, you know, the, the, the Clinton Foundation, I... If people don't understand, when she was Secretary of State, um, they literally, she and her husband had a deal where she would use her, the you know access afforded to people as Secretary of State to initiate a meeting, and the bill would come in with literally a suitcase ready to receive the money to fund the Clinton Foundation. She is the epitome of corruption. For her to throw out corruption claims against Vladimir Putin, again, just underscores the level of her ignorance, and for her to prop up Ukraine is somehow this bastion of uh, liberty and, and democracy where everything works by the book. Even the U.S. government acknowledges that Ukraine is the most corrupt place in the world. Why is it we won't allow an audit? Why is it we send them over $130 billion worth of aid so far um, and we're afraid to find out what happened to it? Because we know what happened to it. We know that 60, 70% of it gets skimmed off into the pockets of corrupt Ukrainian officials, and our government can't be honest with the American people about that. I learned this in an email that uh, you and I shared this morning. The depravity of corruption in Ukraine is such that Ukrainian soldiers know that they have to have cash in their pockets. Well, now, why do you need cash in the battlefield? Because when you get hurt, and you're bleeding to death, you have to bribe the medic to pick you up. And then when you get to the hospital, you have to bribe the nurses and the personnel and the doctors to take care of you. Otherwise, you'll be at the back of the line and you'll be dead by the time they get to you. That is a level of uh, depravity, corruption, 
uh, that I've never even uh, dreamed of. And to the West is almost unimaginable, but it's accepted and expected there. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, I mean, it points to the sad state of affairs of the Ukrainian military where they've been thrown into this, you know, counteroffensive that has killed, you know, more than seventy thousand Ukrainian soldiers since uh, it began, uh, wounded many, many more than that. Um, the the medical facilities can't handle it. If you have X number of combat medics, um, unfortunately, they're not going to run out. If they run out and there's five guys lying on the ground, it's Given the state of affairs in Ukraine, it's the guy that's flipping the money that's going to get picked up and dragged out first. Then when you get to the hospital and the doctors are doing triage, it's not, you know, who needs medical care first. It's who can pay me first. Um, This is just the way it is in Ukraine right now. From top to bottom, the entire society is corrupt. Um, I want to bring you back for a minute before we have more Mrs. Clinton and we have an Admiral Kirby where he's, he's Baghdad Bob again. I want to bring you back to this piece in the Telegraph. Does this sound reasonable to you that the British would be leaking that uh, they soon will be running out of military equipment to send to Ukraine? Does that sound rational? I think what we have right now going on in England is, um, you know, just more evidence of the uh, dysfunctional nature of, of British rule. You have a prime minister who had to appoint somebody to take Ben Wallace, the, the, the minister of defense's place. Uh, and he, he appointed perhaps one of the most incompetent people ever. And what you're seeing right now is a new defense minister who's running off at the mouth, talking about British ships going to the Black Sea, talking about British boots on the ground, talking about expansive British engagement. And I think you have people in the establishment are saying, we need him to shut up. And so they're leaking the truth to the media in an effort to get the facts out there so that... Um, you know, maybe some political pressure could be put on the defense minister to talk, stop running his mouth uh, when reality is England can't do anything that he says they want to do. And then Prime Minister Sunak, in response to the, the brouhaha that you just described, said, well, we don't intend, this is such a British phrase, uh, Scott, I don't think we use this here, but I'll, I'll use exactly what he said. We don't impen- intend to put boots on the ground, quote, in the here and now close quote. Okay. There is no now. It's like the future or the past. What does he mean? We don't intend it in the here and now. We may intend it next week. That That is a, a BS statement just intended to calm the British public. Well, I think 
one of the things that his new defense minister was talking about was that these boots on the ground, so to speak, would be British trainers, uh, British forces sent to Ukraine to train the Ukrainian military right there, as opposed to bringing the Ukrainian military to England to receive training. You send the trainers there. It's more efficient. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that as soon as this conflict ends, that's what the, the British would intend to do if there is still a Ukraine. And that's what he means, that as long as there's a shooting war between Russia and Ukraine, um, the United Kingdom is not going to put any boots on the ground. But once that shooting war ends, then you can you, you can plan on it. Is the Ukraine military collapsing? Yes, as we speak, it is in the, uh, the, the initial stages of total collapse. Uh, they're exhausted. Uh, they've exhausted their resources. People need to realize that uh, a, a starving body is in collapse, but you know it takes some time for you know, the body to finally eat itself up before the body collapses to the ground. Ukraine is a, a military is a starving military. They're being denied the resources. They've exhausted their human um, you know, capacity. They have no reserves left. The war is still going on, grinding up. This is like not carb loading before a, a marathon. You're going to get to you know mile mile eight, and your body's just going to run out of energy, and you can't go forward. That's what's happening to the Ukrainians. They're the military is literally running out of the, the energy necessary to continue this fight. What happened uh, in uh, Slovakia recently? And uh, is there significance to it with respect to the uh, EU or NATO? I think what we're seeing, what, what happened in Slovakia is there was an election uh, for prime minister and uh, Robert uh, Fico, a uh, former prime minister uh, who had to resign in 2018 has been brought back in. And it looks like he's going to be able to create a coalition government. Um, he is pro-Russian, uh, anti-sanction, and anti-supplying Ukraine with weapons. And he has said these are the policies that Slovakia is going to be pursuing going forward. Uh, he's joining uh, Viktor Orban, the prime minister of Hungary, uh, who has similar policies. Uh, in two weeks, Poland has an election. And the government uh, that, that you know that will probably emerge from these elections is similarly anti-EU and increasingly um, you know fed up with with Ukraine. And so you're going to see in Central Europe a growing block of uh, nations where uh, populism, uh, the the will of the people, imagine that, is manifesting itself electorally, and they're saying we want you to take care of us. Uh, it's not just Ukraine. There's a whole immigrant issue. Again, Americans, take note. The people of Europe are starting to stand up and say, we don't want illegal immigrants swarming us. We're going to protect our borders. And governments that uh, vote against that, like right now in the European uh, Commission, in the European Parliament, they're trying to pass laws that will, you know, again, force governments to allow these immigrants into, into their, into their countries. And Poland's saying, we're not going to do that. So it's not just Ukraine that's created a problem. It's the overall concept of a European Union dictating solutions to sovereign people. And I think you're, you're starting to see the tables turn on the, the forces of uh, liberalism that had seized control of Europe for so long. You're starting to see more conservative uh, populist um, movements take control and it's the will of the people. I mean, again, it's amazing what happens in a democracy when it actually functions. Here's um, an exhausted Admiral Kirby 
yesterday with one of his standard, this isn't just our fight, it's, this isn't just the Ukrainian fight, it's the American fight. I can't speak to individual polls, um, and certainly the American people should speak for themselves. We believe that Americans understand what's at stake here. We believe that Americans understand that it's not, although it is first and foremost about Ukraine and the Ukrainian people and their sovereignty, it is bigger than that. The American people understand that, that, that there's more at stake here than just the borders of Ukraine. It's the, the vast security environment on the European continent. And it's the very idea of independence, which is a founding ideal in this country. If there's one thing that all Americans, no matter who you vote for, can get behind, it's the idea of independence. That's what Ukraine's fighting for. Well, that is really a bizarre, um, a bizarre statement. I don't even think President Zelensky would go along with that nonsense that Ukraine is fighting uh, for independence. I mean, if you talk about the will of the people, the will of Eastern Ukraine and Crimea is nearly unanimous. They're Russian. They're fighting for their independence. Um, Couldn't we can't hear you, Scott? But they're fighting for their independence from, um, yeah. from you know, from a. Uh, totalitarian Ukrainian state uh, dominated by um, you know, Western Ukrainian uh, adherence to the ideology of, of, of Stepan Bandera. Um, you know, but the, the interesting thing about Kirby, when he when he spoke, uh, he talks about democracy and, and, and things of that nature. Um, it, it's curious uh, that we're fighting for larger European issues and all that. Well, the people of Hungary disagree. The people of Slovakia disagree. The people of Poland disagree. And they're right there, next door neighbors to Ukraine. What is it about the Ukrainian conflict that um, has them taking a position different from Americans who are thousands of miles removed? And again, with all due respect to Admiral Kirby, I don't think he has, um, you know, the, the, the most fundamental notion of what the American people think. He's up there spewing policy talking points from a Biden administration that is so far removed from reality, it's not even funny. What... Uh... What are your views on the uh, Republican revolt uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives? Uh, to me, it was over um, former Speaker uh, McCarthy uh, not being faithful and truthful to promises he uh, made uh, to the libertarian and conservative wing of the Republican Party to dial back spending and then pass spending that was the same levels that Mrs. Pelosi did. But it was also the belief that uh, Speaker, former Speaker McCarthy had cut a secret deal with the Democrats and with the White House to get more aid to Ukraine. When that belief spread amongst the libertarians, they went wild. Look, I, I agree. First of all, let's just start off. Um, it's not in the best interest of America to have a dysfunctional house. Uh, we would be well served by having a speaker in place so that, um, you know, government can uh, get back to the business of, of governing. But um, in defense of those who have brought this about, you know, the, the government has become so far removed from anything resembling democracy. You have these special interests, you have these political cliques that uh, operate regardless of what the people think. You have people who are elected to office to represent the will of their constituents being told to shut up and sit down, and just do what we tell you to do. We're smarter than you. Well, guess what? They're not that smart. Kevin McCarthy's not that smart. He thought he could get away with the elites cutting back room deals with other elites, and it's led to his downfall. Um, I'm hopeful 
that Congress can get back into the business of governing. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, the the budget right now is held hostage uh, to people who are married to ideas that aren't coming from the bottom up, meaning the will of the people, but rather dictated from the top down by political elites. And, you know, the whole idea of the House of Representatives was that it would be the people's house. We would elect people for two years to go in there and do what we want. And that's not what's happening. The House has become subordinated to a Senate that's become subordinated to a deep state that puts in place compliant presidents. And that's not democracy. You're, you're, man, you're 100% correct. Last uh, subject matter, the um, Canadian uh, Parliament Nazi controversy. Uh, did this reveal more than meets the eye? I believe so. I believe it reveals um, not only the ugly truth of Canada, which is that the uh, Canadian government, uh, Canadian institutions have been hijacked by a Western Ukrainian diaspora, which is 100% aligned with the ideology of Stepan Bandera uh, and also are associated with the actions of uh, Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany in the Second World War, meaning that in the cause of Banderism, uh, they perpetrated horrific crimes against humanity, the slaughter of Jews, the slaughter of Poles, the slaughter of Russians, the slaughter of Magyars, Hungarians, etc. This was known in Canada. They allowed whitewashing to take place. Uh, it's deliberate whitewashing, by the way, a total revision of history. Um, and I think this it's been exposed. This is the reality. And if it continues, you're going to find out the same thing happened here in the United States. The same thing happened in the United Kingdom. The same things happened all around the world. The, the level of um, the willingness to accept. And you saw in Politico, there was an article just published that, hey, look, just because you fought against the, 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 the Russians in World War II doesn't make you a Nazi. Well, actually, if you fought against the Russians in World War II, you were a Nazi because they were the ones fighting against the Russians in World right. War II. Right. Scott, always a pleasure, my man. These are, these are dark days and difficult uh, issues, uh, and you have a way with the courage and intellect and experience of explaining them. Uh, it's a gift for us to hear you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Okay. Ah, more as we get it. Uh, Matthew Ho at uh, 4.30 this afternoon. And at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, Eastern Time, it will be 8 p.m. in Beijing, where he's coming from, uh, Professor Jeffrey Sachs on the history of all this. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>